welcome to So It's a Show, a podcast where we attempt to keep up with Lorelai and Rory's mysterious, dark, scary <laughs> pop culture references on Gilmore Girls. I'm Kyla. And I'm Taylor. <laughs> I- I'm sorry, what was that? Indrid Cold. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> He's on our podcast. Don't go on the bridge. Tell us, Ingrid, will there be another revival of Gilmore Girls? Sorry, it's just static. We lost him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, welcome, Taylor. Hello. Uh, Welcome to our latest spooky episode. You know I love oh. to pull out that word when I get the chance, and we love this is our the time. spooky episodes. It sure is. Yeah, yeah. It's not Halloween. It is um, March hundred seven hundred eighty second, twenty twenty, and <laughs> this is our spooky episode. Would you say this movie was spookier than Misery? No. I would say Misery made me way more on edge than this movie. Yeah. This movie definitely used different kinds of tactics (laughs) to be scary. Mm -hmm. And by different, I mean just one that we'll talk about. (laughs) Well, and to be fair, you did warn me, because you watched this before I did, that this is kind of a spooky movie. So I... Did my due diligence. I watched it at 7 p.m., which left me plenty of time to watch a couple Friends episodes afterwards. And frankly, (laughs) nothing is more horrifying than the dysfunctional relationship between Ross and Rachel. So this was small potatoes. And I had a lot of work to do, so I did work while I watched it. Because if I get fully focused on a scary movie, then I get into it. I think if I had seen this in the movie theater, I probably wouldn't have been scared because jump scares even if i see them coming make me really (laughs) but because i was at home yeah that's what i do so since i was at home and doing work and it wasn't dark i was okay good yeah i i looked away every time someone was looking in a mirror because i cannot do yes they shut the mirror and then there's someone behind them i hate that i hate that even it's like so cliche and tacky, and I realize if you are a horror aficionado, that probably doesn't scare you anymore. But it makes me jump even if I see it coming. Yeah. But first, let's talk about the spooky Gilmore Girls episode. Norman <laughs> Mailer, I'm pregnant. Which you could say that uh, Suki has a. N- a startling revelation <laughs> that she's pregnant, but yeah. not quite the same thing. Okay, this episode of Gilmore Girls, episode 506, Norman Mailer, I'm pregnant. The IMDb plot summary is Lorelai and Suki are thrilled when author Norman Mailer, played by himself, and a young reporter, Josh Davies, played by Norman Mailer's son, Stephen Mailer, <laughs> show up repeatedly in the dining room of the Dragonfly Inn, but Suki's awe turns to annoyance when Mailer refuses to order any food. (laughs) He only wants iced tea. Yep, with lemon, though. That's food. (laughs) 
And then it turns out Suki's just irritable because she's pregnant. Although, as a chef, I would be mildly annoyed if a celebrity came and didn't want to try my food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pregnant women, am I right? <laughs> Gosh, babies. They're the worst. So, yeah. Uh. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, what we're going to talk about has nothing to do with Suki. In fact, what we need to talk about is related to a conversation between Luke and Lorelai when he comes to pick her up one evening. You know the lights are on in your Jeep? Oh, yeah. The porch light's out and it was dark, so I left the Jeep on for the light. Could you lift, please? Yeah, but the battery's going to die. Oh, no. I timed it. It takes 12 hours for the battery to wear out. I go to work at 8 o'clock, giving me two hours to spare and a whole day to recharge. Not here either. Down, please. Why don't you just change the porch light? <laughs> Have you seen how dirty it is up there with those creepy moths that fly in your face? And you could swallow one and end up with some weird hand-to-moth-to-mouth disease. There's no such thing. <laughs> oh, no? Did you see Mothman Prophecies? Yes. Oh, well, okay, then, did you see the sequel? There's a sequel? Yes. It is a heartbreaking saga in which Richard Gere gets a life-threatening disease from changing a dirty porch light. There was no sequel. Well, it's still really gross up there. Classic Lorelai logic. (laughs) Did you see the Mothman prophecies? I did not. Or the sequel. What about you? Uh, No, had never heard of any Mothman at all. Yeah. No. No. Have no idea. (laughs) Yeah, this was all news to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Like Swept Away, another movie that came out during our lifetimes and that we were old enough to be aware of, but we were not aware of it. Mm -mm. I mean, I wasn't even aware of Mothman history, if you can call it history, or uh, like he's one of the classic kind of scary beings, right? Like Invisible Man and... I don't know if he's part of that whole crew or not, like Frankenstein. Maybe not. I think they predate the Mothman by quite a bit. But I think you are correct that he is like a folklore legend. And if we have any listeners who live in West Virginia or nearby, you probably know everything we're going to share. But we are not from West Virginia, and I had never heard of the Mothman before. No, and if you are from West Virginia and listening to this, please, like, email us and tell us more. This is so interesting. (laughs) But uh, but first, let's share what we do know. So we watched the first Mothman because there's not a sequel. Nice try, Lorelai. (laughs) I know. It's a good joke, but there was no sequel in real life. The Mothman Prophecies came out in 2002. Hey, same year as Swept Away. (laughs) Um, However, this movie does have a 52% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is way better than the, what was it, 5% for Swept Away or something? Yeah. Basically, you know, middle of the road, not so great mixed reviews. Same with Box Office, not so hot, but not a bomb like Swept Away. So, you know, just keep that in mind if you think... Things with this movie are not good. Just remember this is the same year Swept Away came out. (laughs) It is based loosely on the 1975 book The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel. 
and it stars Richard Gere, Laura Linney, Will Patton, and Deborah Messing. And fun fact, Richard Gere and Laura Linney co-starred in Primal Fear just a few years earlier together. And that movie is not perfect, but it is way better than this movie. So if you like those two, <laughs> check out Primal Fear, also starring Ed Norton. Hot tips with Taylor. <laughs> and that's your weekly movie recommendation. I'm signing off for <laughs> KPLR. Just kidding. Okay. That is the lowdown on the movie. It sounds like this movie didn't make a huge splash unless you are excited about the Mothman lore. Should we talk about what happens in this movie? Yes, we should. Hi, I'm sorry. I know it's really late now, but my... My car broke down just up the road. I wondered if I could use the phone. Hello? It's him. I've been waiting for you. So, this movie... From the... It just... It feels creepy, like, the whole time. Why do they do that in scary movies? You know? Like, the whole time it feels all creepy. Um, even before the scary bits. So basically, Richard Gere and his wife are going to buy a house. Deborah Messing. And, yes. Mm-hmm. And naturally, they need to have sex in a closet while they're looking at the house. Because <laughs> why not start the movie like that? <laughs> okay. Favorite part of the Roger Ebert review. <laughs> he says... Gear is 53. He's in great shape, but to make love at 53 on the floor of a closet with a real estate agent lurking about is, I submit, not based on a true story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they really, they said that, that they really like the closet after that. So, you know, if you can do it, get to it. But <laughs> just some highs and lows of this evening. That was the high. What was the low? <laughs> Well, the low was a car accident because mm-hmm. Deborah Messing sees this black blur bean and car spins and she hits her head. They go to the hospital and then turns out she has a brain tumor and a very rare kind of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she dies. Yeah, not immediately, because it's she doesn't die from the car wreck. She dies mm-hmm. from the tumor at an unspecified time later. And after she dies, he's collecting her personal things from the hospital, and he finds this notebook with all these weird, creepy drawings in it. And she had said to him, didn't you see it? And he said, no, I don't know what you're talking about. And he kind of, I guess, thought it was the brain tumor or thought she had just been spooked by something at night and that's why she crashed. And then this weird orderly guy or nurse guy shows up and says something to him in this creepy tone of voice and disappears. He was like, she knew. Yeah. And he's looking at this notebook. Knew what? Uh, Because it wasn't how to draw. (laughs) Um, it's a weird looking notebook yeah Mm -hmm. it's creepy drawings so also he's a reporter for the Washington Post and he's about to cover some big story about the governor 
and he is up late one night trying to drive to get to some place to cover the story. And then all of a sudden, he's in West Virginia, which is weird because it should have taken him way longer to get there than it does. He doesn't remember how he got there because it wasn't intentional. And he pulls off on the side of the road and he goes up to somebody's door to ask for help and directions. And this guy opens the door with a gun and he's like, this is the third night in a row you have knocked on the door and woken me up. And Richard Gere's like, this is my first time here. I don't know what you're talking about. So then Laura Linney, police officer, shows up and they got to figure out what's going on. And I don't even know exactly what happens next, except Laura Linney's character's name is Connie, and she starts sharing with Richard Gere about how people around town have been seeing weird things. And it reminds him of his wife, and he sees drawings that look like the drawings his wife was making, so needless to say, he's going to stick around and find out what this is, because... It affected his mm-hmm. wife, too. Now, never mind that his editor at the Washington Post doesn't seem to be filled in on any of this. He basically just, like, decides to, like, hightail it out of D.C. and not do his job. He's just going to, like, look into this Mothman stuff now. Yeah. And I know he mentioned to his editor, like, there's something here. But, like, I feel like if you send a reporter somewhere and then they just don't go, like, that's that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Stick around in tiny town, West Virginia. (laughs) I know. The editor either needs to say, like, yes, you can stay in this assignment, look into it, or you just, like, need to go do your job. But what do I know? Yeah. He basically shacks up in this motel room. He starts interviewing a bunch of the locals. At one point, he also drives to Chicago to talk to a guy who knows something about the Mothman. And then he starts getting these creepy phone calls that are all staticky and they start warning him about things. And he says his name is Indrid Cold, which I don't like, is that supposed to be a, like an anagram of something? Like, what is that? Uh, well, it came from real life. Oh, okay. I didn't see that in my research. And then the guy whose door he knocked on in the middle of the night, they become friends But then his friend, this is Will Patton, the actor, and he starts, like, having visions, and Mm -hmm. he he starts, I don't know, like, giving in to the Mothman? Like, yeah, they become besties. Yeah. It's real weird and unclear. And then Richard Gere starts getting warnings about right things that are unclear right so like uh there was like a plane crash and he had gotten some numbers it was the flight number mm-hmm. and, and the number of people who died yeah yeah and and then even a police officer connie she says that she's been having this dream where she's floating in the water with presents and She can't get to the surface, and she hears, you know, something about being number 37. And so... 
Yeah. Just a lot of a lot of weird things like that. And so Richard Gere ends up being convinced that the power plant is going to explode. And he's trying to get people to stay out of it. Mm-hmm. But the power plant ends up being fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he starts getting visions of Deborah Messing, his deceased wife, yeah. who also seems to appear to Connie at the police station. Yeah, she says that she was there. Never see her again. Uh-uh. And then Indrid Cole says that his wife is, Richard Gere's wife is going to call him at his home. And so he goes back home and is like ready and the phone rings, but he decides not to answer it because... He mm-hmm. wants to live in the real world, I guess. Uh, is it? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. So he decides to go back because he's made a lot of connections. While his friend, Will Patton, died, they found him in the middle of the woods, dead from frostbite. And the police get there and they're like, he's been dead for eight hours. And he's like, but he called me an hour ago. You yeah. know, it's that kind of movie. But he and Laura Linney, a.k.a. Connie, seem to have a connection. So he's on his way back. He gets stuck at a bridge. And it starts to swing. And he can tell it's going to go down. Because all these cars are stuck on the bridge because of rush hour traffic. And he can't Mm -hmm. get anyone off. And the bridge collapses. And all these cars and people fall in. And he dives in to save Connie. And she's Mm -hmm. in the water, surrounded by all of her Christmas presents. Yep. And 36 people ended up dying, and she had her dream that she was number 37. Yeah. And the Mothman was never seen again. The end. The end. (laughs) So what would you think of this? Uh, you know, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It wasn't nearly as wooky, like I said, as if I had maybe seen it in a theater. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, 52%. Eh, seems about right. Not terrible. <laughs> not great. It was okay. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, the the scary effect that really that I noticed is they would just kind of like blur colors and the mothman and like red lights would come up and like that was the transition over and over again between scenes <laughs> it was like yes. okay i guess that's the scary part they love 90s and 2000s music video effects <laughs> so yeah it was it was fine it was definitely like a little eerie it it got that but yeah not my thing Yeah. She knew. What? She was drawing angels. There was another review from Slant Magazine, and it said, This is the kind of movie to make one suspect shadows and headlights of wrongdoing. Like, yep, this is the kind of movie where, like, something Mm. moves, and you're like, Oh no, it's the Mothman? And yeah. I guess that works sometimes, but, I, you know, it it could have been worse. Definitely. It's <laughs> nobody's career high, but, you know, it didn't even get nominated for any Razzies. So, 52%. you win some, you lose some. Yeah. 
But what I didn't even realize while watching this movie is that this is based on true events. Well, they open the movie with a title card, like, based on true events. And I was like, wait, what? And I, guess I didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, it doesn't really matter that you didn't see it because it plays very fast and loose with the confirmed facts yeah. of what happened. So what what is true from this movie is that the Silverbridge incident did happen and it collapsed in 1967 and actually 47 people died, not 36. Yeah. Don't know why they changed that. That would have been really easy to keep the same, but they didn't. I wondered that too. And there really were people who said they saw this Mothman creature leading up to the event and then people didn't really talk about the Mothman sightings after the event. Though, frankly, after that event, like, why would you talk about a Mothman anymore? Like, <laughs> I don't feel like the need yeah. to call up the attention to the Mothman. Everybody's yeah. really sad about what just happened. Let's not talk about it. I mean, that small of a town, everyone, I mean, some people could have been lived in a, a neighboring town passing through, but like. Most everyone you know would have lost someone that they cared about. Like, that's a huge number of people. Mm -hmm. So, but then, you know, only eight years later, someone wrote a book about this bridge collapse and the Mothman, and that's what this was based on. Mm -hmm. John Keel, he also wrote a book in 1970, Operation Trojan Horse, a few years before that mentioned the Mothman, but um, he connected to the bridge collapse in the Mothman Prophecies Mm -hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, is that, I guess because people were, were actually seeing the Mothman beforehand, like it's not like he just made this up, but it just seems like too soon, bro. Let's, let's blame this, <laughs> like make it into this fantastical, it's the Mothman who did it. I don't know. It seems kind of odd. Well, and John Keel, it sounds like had been there. He was already the kind of guy who was interested in investigating UFOs. And mm. weird things. So he was in Point Pleasant already. People were already in this town looking for weird stuff. And then there were people who on November 12th, 1966, the first Mothman sighting was reported. It was five men in a nearby town. Because most of this happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. But in a nearby town, they were digging a grave where they reported seeing a man-like shadowy figure fly over their heads in a nearby tree. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. And then three days later, there were two young couples who were on a lover's lane of sorts. And they told the police they were chased in their car by a black figure with a 10-foot wingspan and glowing red eyes. And this was near Point Pleasant by a World War II munition site called the TNT area, which is basically like an area where they like had an ammunition manufacturing facility in World War II. And then it was abandoned after the war and became a landfill. And then in the 80s, they discovered it was like severely contaminated with explosive stuff. <laughs> so it's like now a hazardous waste site. So this is all happening near a hazardous waste site. And they didn't know this in 1966. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. And um, the article from that first sighting, couple see man-sized bird, creature, 
something. (laughs) One of the witnesses from the two young couples, they said it had big wings folded against its back. The eyes were compelling and hypnotic. For a minute, we could only stare at it. I couldn't take my eyes off it. And they do that in the movie. There's like this couple making out in a car. Mm. And then this creepy mothman shows up and they can't stop staring at it. True events. There we go. Mm-hmm. One quote that I thought was interesting from the article is someone said, if I had seen it while by myself, I wouldn't have said anything. But there were four of us who saw it. It's And it's such a weird thing because in this town, all these people are seeing it, right? So it makes it... Mm-hmm appear more credible and they say the mothman name came from a newspaper in ohio talking about it they wanted to make the name of this weird creature something similar to the popular uh person you might have heard of batman so they (laughs) called him mothman nice and many people believed that the mothman lived in a vacant nuclear power plant on the outside of town which used to be a top-secret government facility where they tested nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Also, supposedly John Keel received prophecies from this Mothman about this Silver Bridge incident. Hmm. Once again, the Silver Bridge incident did happen. Everything else is suspect. (laughs) (laughs) And he thought these Mothman appearances were warnings of this bridge collapse that happened a year after this Mothman started showing up. He called it ultra-terrestrial beings. And he just basically in his mind, this was all connected. There was nothing unrelated. And he said he had a prophecy that um, when President Johnson turned on the Christmas lights at the White House, the whole Northeast was going to go into a blackout. That's what he thought was going to happen. But then he's waiting for this blackout to happen, and instead, that night, the Silver Bridge in Point Pleasant collapsed. Okay, so a super super similar situation. Okay, yeah, that that makes perfect sense. You know, Richard Gere... (laughs) whose character is kind of based on this guy. He has that same situation. He thinks the power plant's going to blow up, but it's really the bridge. Mm -hmm. And he said, I was called by all kinds of voices. They would give me information. They would give me prophecies that came true. It was a very scary time. And he said he had vague advance word of the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Robert Kennedy. Thanks for Um, helping out with that, then. uh Uh-huh, and that his voices warned him of trouble ahead for Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin as well. He said he tried to record some of these voices. He only got a lot of static on these mysterious phone calls that he was getting. So Surprise. Yeah. So this is just, this is, he still maintains the story for the rest of his life, as far as I know, and... Hmm. Other people maintain the story, too, now. The Mothman is a thing. I mean, I'm sure it helped tourism there. Well, have you been to the Mothman Museum? I have not. 
I haven't either, but it exists, and they have much Mothman memorabilia. <laughs> you could also go see the Mothman statue, and there have been petitions to replace all Confederate statues with Mothman statues. That's sure an option some people are trying to consider. That would definitely be less harmful than Confederates. <laughs> I... It's a weird-looking statue. There is one that exists, and apparently there's a 24-7 webcam on it at all times, and a lot of people like to touch its butt. I think it's weird. <laughs> Does that mean it's like its butt is all shiny? Apparently, it's just... It says, yes, it's a thing. People like to take its... You know, like how people rub noses on statues? Mm -hmm. I or think the it's like kind of the same. Yale. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the butt for the Mothman. And it's a weird looking statue. Is it like the bronze one? It's like got veiny wings. I think so. I'm looking at. Yeah. I think so. I think we're looking at the same statue. Does he have chest hair? Or is that. There's a lot going on in this statue. Yeah. And honestly, I there is something about it that like as a work of art is very impressive. And maybe it's because I have no like personal connection to the Mothman, like no affection for it, but I don't want that in my town. It scares me looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd still rather have that than Confederate statues, but but I would just rather have no statues if I could pick. Yeah, just... can we do no statues? Like, there is a got to be an option Plant a tree. <laughs> yeah, please. I just, if I, I take door number three, no statues. Yeah. Amen. Here is one thing I did not understand from the movie. Just one thing. Why in Washington, D.C.? Did Richard Gere's wife see the Mothman, and then it was only seen in West Virginia? I had the same question. I presume it was because the Mothman was trying to call him to Point Pleasant. Hence, he wake like up, arrives in Point Pleasant with no memory of how he got there. And so maybe that was like the first attempt of the Mothman to try and draw him there was that he appeared in front of their car and spooked his wife and left a weird symbol on their car that he sees later again. Mm -hmm. But the logic on that doesn't really hold up too much if you think too hard about it. Yeah. Because also why not show himself to Richard Gere instead of the wife? Yeah. And why does the guy at the hospital say anything to him? Also, did the Mothman give her a tumor? That was what I was wondering was the implication. Was the implication the Mothman made that very rare tumor appear? I don't know. It certainly wasn't Batman who did it. <laughs> yeah. Not Batman, that's for sure. Unless there were bats in that closet, not moths oh my gosh what if there was a moth in the closet where they had sex in front of the real that's estate that's probably agent? why <laughs> oh my gosh i yeah lots to consider so that's just one question do you have any other questions about this movie i mean that was the main one <laughs>
Honestly, that yeah. was plot-wise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, if you... Anyone does have more questions about the Mothman, you know, there is a documentary about this called Eyes of the Mothman. Ooh, just the eyes, no wings. Exactly. They focus <laughs> only on the eyes. And, you know, you could watch the movie that's how long? Uh, two hours, give or take. Yeah, yeah. It didn't um, and feel then you could watch... punishingly long. Uh-uh. Um, and then you could follow that up with a two-and-a-half-hour amateur documentary about the mm-hmm. Mothman and other UFO and strange sightings in West Virginia. Or you could not. I certainly didn't. <laughs> did not watch the full two-and-a-half-hour documentary. I clicked through it. I saw one title card, The Curse of Chief Cornstalk. There was some Native American ooh, section. I, I didn't. I didn't didn't watch it, but I did read a review about it. <laughs> Someone actually reviewed <laughs> this this film, and yeah, one thing that he takes away from this documentary is that people were just kind of looking for a way to reason through this bridge collapse and other just things they had going on in their lives, and, like, let's just make it mysterious Mothman, you know? Kind of like, have you watched Community? You've watched Community, and if other people watch Community. Uh, the I just episode. rewatched it again. Nice. Which episode? The pen episode, where Annie's pen oh, is lost. Yeah, such a good bottle episode. Yes, very good. Yes. And they cannot, she cannot find her pen, and she says, you guys keep stealing them, I haven't said anything, but now I'm upset. I want to find my pen. They end up emptying out their bags. They strip down and check each other. No pen. And so Jeff says in the end, you know what? What if ghosts took it? Because at this point, it's either a ghost took the pen or one of us is still unwilling to admit that we took it. And like, what a crummy friend. Are you willing to believe that one of the people in here is a terrible friend? Mm-hmm. And would make us miss the puppy parade. Which so, is so cute. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. Like, let's just say... And turns out it was a monkey, by the way. But... <laughs> sorry, spoiler. Yes, there is a monkey that has been stealing the pens and lives in the air vents of the community college. So, like, why not a Mothman and UFOs? And like you said, it increases tourism. You could go to the Mothman Festival every year. That's an option. So maybe they've turned it into a community fun thing. Like I said, have not been to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, or to the Mothman Festival specifically, so I don't know. Maybe it's a lot of fun. Maybe the statue's not as scary in person as it looks on the internet. (laughs) Hello, John Clark. Who is this? My name is Andrew Cole. Yes, of course, you're Gordon Small. Your father was born in Racine, Wisconsin. He lived in a greenhouse on Monroe Street. You don't remember how your mother looked. Okay, you got my attention. 
Where's my watch? In your shirt. Under the bed. <laughs> There are some potential natural explanations, much like a Scooby-Doo episode, <laughs> where you think you see something creepy and then it turns out it was just a guy in the mask. Well, in this case, it is unlikely to have been a man in a mask because there have supposedly been Mothman sightings in other places as well at different times people have said they saw the mothman before the chernobyl explosion they saw the mothman before <laughs> 9-11 they apparently have been seeing the mothman in chicago a lot in the last 10 years so you know i, I don't really know all the circumstances of every single one of those but i'm pretty sure it's not a guy in a mask at least in every single one of those cases who knows? Maybe in Chicago it's just some guy. Don't know. <laughs> but some of the potential natural explanations have been that it could be like a mass hysteria where one person maybe really got spooked by something and then people in other situations saw something and like mm -hmm. kind of like in their mind explained it with the mothman or whatever their friend had seen in town so right. not that these people are liars or trying to deceive people but like they had heard this mothman story and so because they heard that they think it's that as well so like a mass yeah i'm mass i mean hysteria. if it's already like if it's already in your head i i would totally understand they're like oh maybe that's what happened to me too when it was really yeah. just you know light i don't know yeah once again this is all speculation so we don't know for sure one of the other potential ideas just want to throw this out there a secret military mind control experiment that's a thing that has talked been talked about there are also potential ideas about it being large birds that people do see at night and people so it is something with a wingspan and glowing eyes, but like mm -hmm. in the nighttime, it looks scarier than it is. So some are owls. They are night birds with larger than expected wingspans for being so tiny, and their eyes can glow red when light reflects on them. And then also they thought maybe it could be a sandhill crane, and because that TNT area nearby is full of toxic chemicals and waste, mm. it could potentially, like, have um, mutilated or infected a bird oh. like a sandhill crane to give it something like glowing appearance, a larger-than-usual size. Because those birds normally have a 10-foot wingspan and do have red markings mm. around the eyes. They're not native to that area, but they do appear sometimes. So if it's not a bird you're super familiar with because you don't mm -hmm. see them all the time, it shows up in the middle of the night, it freaks out, you freak out. And maybe if it has toxic chemical waste uh, <laughs> in its diet, maybe it's sick and looking gross. Ugh. Yeah. So I think probably, I saved my, I think, most likely theory for the end that maybe once or twice in the 60s, people saw uh, 
chemicalized large birds at night that freaked them out. And then it turned into a thing where people think they see the Mothman. But I mean, I wasn't there. I feel like I don't know. I feel like the bird theory makes sense. Also, crows are really big. I walked by a crow the other day, which it was a little too <laughs> domesticated. It did not move. Those things are huge. But they don't have There's ten feet big birds. Ten foot wingspan. But they're big. If you've ever been to the Tower of London, there are these crows. Maybe it's ravens that live. They're big black birds, and it's been a long time since I've been there. Almost ten years now. Oh, I miss it. But there are these huge black birds that just wander around the Tower of London site, and they are so big you like look at them and you're like i don't freak out around birds but those birds kind of freaked me out yeah anything that's Mm -hmm. about to be bigger than i am and has a pointy beak that makes up for some of its size (laughs) yeah um i'm not i know some people freak out around birds i know that's a thing i do not naturally but after seeing the birds from alfred hitchcock i have a healthy respect no, Those okay. beaks can do damage, man. Yeah. <laughs> what about moths? Do moths freak you out generally? <laughs> well, I don't really want a moth in my house. But actually on the scale of insects, they freak me out the least because they don't bite yeah. me. And they usually yeah. just like sit in one spot and don't do anything. I used to have a dead moth. That I kept in a box. (laughs) Because it was really beautiful and really big. And as a kid, I did a couple school projects where you pinned bugs on a board. Oh, I had to do that too. And I was okay with it. I really liked learning about insects. I had a good teacher. Shout out, Mrs. Schumacher. And Way to go. um, Yeah, I kept this huge moth. Yeah, and, I'm not typically yeah, afraid but, of moths. No. But if there had 10-foot wingspan with <laughs> red glowing eyes, then yeah. I would definitely want to pass on that. Yes. Um, because would that be about the size of Falcon in the Marvel movies and new TV show on Disney Plus? Falcon and the Winter Soldier, would that basically be At his least. wingspan? And if yeah. a giant bug appeared to me and red eyes also fun fact the mothman statue was designed by sculptor bob roach and that guy's got a thing for bugs (laughs) (laughs) but uh, that's awesome dumb joke so another fun fact after watching this movie i realized i was very behind on riverdale and (laughs) guess And I binged about, like, five episodes. Um, Uh And guess who the bad guy is in the latest season? Scott Patterson. Um, No. I'm just throwing out names of people we know if no. (laughs) TJ. Is it TJ? No, you're thinking too too broad. Uh, The Mothman. Oh, my gosh. Wait, what? I thought you were talking about an actor. (laughs) The Mothman is the spooky spook in this season of Riverdale? Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all, our, all our references are connected. 
Yep, so I will definitely have all look out for nods to the real-life Mothman. I didn't see anything that seemed like nods to it quite yet, so we'll see. Okay. Well, if you want to know more about how Archie Comics, a.k.a. Riverdale, connects to Gilmore Girls, feel free to hop on back to, I think, episode three, A Big Guy yeah. Named Moose. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, how interesting we were back in the <laughs> first season, but um, we had some great references that we covered. For sure. So should we talk about how this fits into the world of Gilmore Girls? I mean, I feel like I've exhausted the entire Mothman topic, so please, let's move on. Let's do it. So, here's what I think. So Lorelai makes up a plot of, <laughs> you could swallow a moth and end up with some weird hand-to-mouth-to-moth disease. And so I wonder if that was a nod to Deborah Messing getting a rare tumor when she sees the Mothman. And so it's like, oh, but this time Richard Gere gets a, a Mothman disease. <laughs> and I love that when she asks if he saw the Mothman prophecies and he's like, yes, and she clearly did not expect him to say yes. So she has <laughs> to make up this sequel that didn't really happen to try and explain mm -hmm. her reasoning for why she's not changing the porch light. Yeah. Which is also, once again, Luke has not seen Casablanca, but he has seen the Mothman prophecies in 2002. Yep, and and he's seen some of the 80s, uh, I forget if it was 16 Candles or if it was <laughs> whatever yeah. other movies, but he's not seen Casablanca. Or Pippi Longstocking, but that makes <laughs> a little more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So I think, though, to her point, sequels tend to be rehashes of the original. And I guess in this rehash of the original, in her imagination, it's Richard Gere who gets the life-threatening disease. Mm -hmm. This time, not from a car wreck and seeing the Mothman, but from changing a dirty porch light. Bottom line, Lorelai thinks changing the porch light is terrifying. And not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> so kyla so taylor that's our show that's our show boop, boop, boop. Woo! episode 99 we got 99 episodes but a lot of them aren't one <laughs> we've talked about a lot of stuff but we haven't talked about all the stuff mm-mm Mothman, is is he a cool villain? I don't know. Like, do do we like him? Email us at show at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at show. If you have pictures with the Mothman statue, please share. We would love it. Yes, we we'll will be slightly frightened all. of the statue, but not of you, we promise. I hope you're touching its butt in the photo. <laughs> don't get it, but okay. <laughs> Here's a teaser for our next step. So, how's the story coming on that secret society? The Life and Death Brigade. Get this, I've got a contact. Inside? Deep inside. Who? Anonymous, don't ask again. Your call? I'm going to tell this story from the inside. You'll be careful? Careful enough. Well, stay on it. You bet. I love this. We just had a very all the president's men moment. Very.
Harry. Moving around the newsroom like that? Yeah. Oh, good. Let's do it again sometime. Now? Might look silly. Carry on. Thanks for the offer, but uh, I'm here as a journalist, an observer. Journalists do not participate. Since when? Since forever. George Plimpton never participated. What? He's best stuff. Put him in the thick of it. Fighting Sugar Ray Robinson, quarterbacking for the Lions, skating for the Bruins. So he participated. Bill Buford lived with soccer hooligans and amongst the thugs. Ernie Pyle was so deep in the action in World War II, he was killed by a Japanese sniper. Not that you got to go that far. Buford, Pyle, I know. Richard Hollett was four months in a Nazi prison working for the UP. Hunter Thompson lived with the Hells Angels. Got in the muck, didn't just orbit around it, and it drove his writing. He put you in those bikers' parties, he put you in those bikers' heads. All right, all right. So, you know, those guys participated. I got it. But I. Jumpers to their places, please. You're scared. Well, yeah. And that stops the grades? It's stopping this grade. 